Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 169 of the Juice Box Podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to be speaking with Christina. Christina's husband is a doctor who has type 1 and one of her children, and she has three children, but one of them also has type 1 diabetes. This conversation goes in a lot of great directions, but mostly in my mind, it's about the feelings around type 1 diabetes. And Christina is incredibly open and honest with her thoughts and how she feels, and so I want to thank her right up front for her transparency. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is brought to you by the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitoring System, now FDA permitted for zero finger sticks. You can make diabetes treatment decisions with zero finger sticks and no calibration. Always know where your glucose number is headed with the new Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitoring System. I am also super excited and proud to be sponsored by Omnipod, makers of the tubeless insulin pump that Arden has been using since she was four years old. Why use multiple daily injections or a tube pump when the Omnipod insulin delivery system is about to make a huge dash forward? It's simple, smart, and discreet as always. It's tubeless and waterproof like always, but now the new pods are going to be Bluetooth enabled. Why? Because Omnipod has just received FDA clearance for their new Dash Personal Diabetes Manager. It is small and thin and sleek and what is today and now and exciting. It's a touchscreen personal diabetes manager. You're still tubeless, you're still wireless, but now you're holding state-of-the-art technology to control your insulin pump with. And let me tell you something, it's pretty. If you don't mind, I'd just like to remind you that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should ever be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan. I am not a doctor. This is just a podcast. Sorry about that. That was actually my fault. <laughs> no problem. I sent it the first time and realized I had one wire not connected. And I was like, oh, and I tried to stop it. Real <laughs> Christine, you, um, I say this to a few people when I start, but I, this one absolutely has to be the winner. This okay. is the longest amount of time between when we first started talking and when we actually were able to record. <laughs> oh, really? This sets a record, I believe. I think we've been talking since maybe June or yeah. 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 <laughs> so I'm very glad we're able to do this. Yeah. I'm like everyone. I hear them say they were nervous and I was like, Oh, I won't be nervous. And now I'm nervous. And I'm like, what am I going to talk about? There's nothing, nothing special over here, but. So it's funny. I was speaking just the other day to somebody on the phone privately and we really discussed that they should come on the podcast. They completely agreed. And the first thing they said was, but what would I talk about? Yeah. And I said, well, what did we just talk about for the last 45 minutes? And she's like, well, that's not interesting. I said, I don't know. I was pretty interested. And, yeah. and, and then I told her, you know, all the people that you said you listen to on the podcast that, that make you feel so much better. I said, you know, they all have one thing in common. None of them thought their story was interesting. Right. And she was like, oh, okay, so you, this will be the same for you, really. I mean, and you have, you have interesting stuff going on. So yeah. I, I think we, we could make two. Why don't you just... Um, Introduce yourself any way you want to be known, and we'll start. Okay. Well, my name's Christina, and I have three children, and my husband was um, 
diagnosed with diabetes five years ago, and then my um, oldest was diagnosed almost two years ago with type one. So, so your husband was in his like early thirties when he was diagnosed. Yeah, he was thirty-two. Okay, out of nowhere was it? Was there a family? So it was out of nowhere and he's actually a doctor and he was in residency and he had just started residency and he was eating like crazy and everything. And then he said, you know, you need to make me a doctor's appointment. I either have diabetes or I have cancer, like one or the other, because he had lost like 25 pounds in a month. And, you know, now that we know, like all these symptoms made sense, but Never in our mind was type 1. So his whole family is surprisingly 100% type 2. And, and he, he has there are some autoimmune issues, like he had an aunt that died from RA, and then we're finding there's another cousin here or there sprinkled with type 1. Mm-hmm. So he was born and raised in Mexico, and um, so I know there's a strong genetic component, but there's also you know a lot of his, his brothers and his dad, they all smoked and they're overweight, and so the type 2 made more sense, but they were all diagnosed in their 20s as well with type 2, which is more rare. Well, I mean, your husband really has the doctor's bedside matter all fixed up already. He's like, Christina, honey, I have cancer <laughs> or diabetes. Can you call the doctor for me, please? <laughs> yeah. So it was like, and the doctor was like, well, we can see him in three months. And I was like, no, he needs to be seen like now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, can I ask you, when he said that to you, where, where I mean, did you notice he was losing weight? You know, it's a funny thing is that. Other people had made comments, and I was like, oh, no, I, I, you know, like, I didn't really, like, I had noticed it somewhat, but I thought it was the stress from going from med school to working 80 hours plus, mm-hmm. you know, and trying to keep up as a first-year resident, so. Plus, you're married, and you have three kids. You weren't probably looking at them to begin with, right? You were just. <laughs> well, yeah, well, at that, <laughs> at that point, I just had one. Oh, okay. And, and so. Well, that was your mistake. You kept looking at them. That's how you got the other ones. <laughs> But what I've learned from my wife is when I come in the room, she just she looks the other way. Even if it's into like a vacant corner, she's like, "Don't make eye contact with him." Or it's almost time for bed. Like I can see you just did it wrong, Christina. That's all. <laughs> oh God. Well, that's that's. In, listen, that sucks. Um, and then yeah. so when he's diagnosed, how does that? It's interesting because well, he's a do- he's a basically a doctor at that point, right? He's in his residency. So yeah. how does it affect you? How does it affect him? Did it affect his residency, your marriage? Like what all happened? Well, they um, diagnosed him with type two and sent him home with metformin. Oh, there you go. And then you know, with the blood sugars, the, his blood sugar was like six hundred something, mm-hmm. and so we were like, okay. And then the next day, the doctor called him and said, you know, I think you have type one, and he was like, I think this doctor's crazy. <laughs> Okay. You know, but because like, the age, right? It's always the age you think I'm yeah, too old to get that. So it just, you know, but then there we were within 24 hours getting in line for needles and insulin and, you know, realizing. But no, it, you know, with him, they didn't, I didn't really realize, like, it didn't change too much for us because I didn't realize how dangerous it is and everything. And, They didn't tell us about ketones. He never got ketone strips. It was like nothing, you know, like I didn't even. Do you think because of his profession, they just, he didn't get the full walkthrough? Yes, they do that to us a lot. So they say, oh, you're, you know, you know this, your husband's a doctor. But the thing is, is that they don't even teach nutrition in med school. They get like maybe an hour. People think doctors know a lot about things that they don't really know Mm -hmm. about. So... 
they did kind of just rush us through it. And it was his healthcare system. And, you know, like his doctor was his endocrinologist was a coworker. <laughs> so I think they kind of just, you know, said, oh, you know this. And but everyone just assumes and, it, yeah. and then your husband doesn't know what he doesn't know. And right. yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. So how did how was his beginning? Did he have a really rocky road figuring it out? Or how did he figure it out? You know, he just kind of did it. He's more like, he gets mad at me sometimes with my daughter because I'm burned out or I'm angry or I'm like, this sucks. And he doesn't like me to be able to say that this sucks. Mm -hmm. It's like, he says that's a negative outlook. So he doesn't even ever talk about it. He just goes with it. Gotcha. He's going, we didn't, he's going we the didn't Catholic route. Pump. He's he's going the Catholic route on you. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, everything's fine. Just keep moving forward. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, first of all, let me, let me say this to you. It does suck. And does. you know, I, I will absolutely sit here and reinforce with you. It sucks. I, I also don't think that, um, giving a voice to the fact that this isn't a lot of fun makes you negative. It just makes it, it just makes it what it is. You right. know, I get, I hear from my wife sometimes too, because I, I think I must wear my emotions right on my face and I'm, I'm probably not completely aware of it. And so, you know, just little things happen. Like you make a, you make a bolus and you expect it to work and it doesn't work and it goes the wrong way. And I must just express all of that on my face. And, and my wife's like, God, you, every time I look at you about this, she's like, I feel like you're just, you're mad. I'm like, I'm not mad. I'm just like, you know, I did this and I thought it was going to work and it didn't. And now I'm starting to do the math that I'm going to be up until two o'clock in the morning. And get, you know, like it's, yeah, it's irritating. Yes. You know, so I have a good, I mean, I think I, I think I have a good outlook about it, but my outlook still has space for the fact that it sucks. Yes. Well, okay. So if you ever need to tell somebody it sucks, tell me. I'll agree with okay, you. Okay. Right. I'll tell you. Thank you. <laughs> no, Thank you. You're very welcome. So, so does he get, what does he manage with? Like you said, needles in the beginning. Does he still do? Is he still on like MDI? How does he handle? No. So he was diagnosed in September and then um, December he started Omnipod because for him, tubes were like out of the question. And um, so he started on Omnipod, you know, three months after being diagnosed, but they never approved a Dexcom for us. His doctor tried and tried, and they just wouldn't approve it on our insurance. So once he did, um, you know, once he graduated from residency and became a real doctor. Mm, a real doctor. <laughs> he was, Christina's yeah. married to a doctor, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard those words from somebody at some point. <laughs> yes. It's, it's not as fabulous as it sounds. I have a friend who says that uh, he's a doctor, and his his boys, when they were really young, he could see moms in the neighborhood like trying to like buddy up their daughters and he's like i think they're trying to marry off their nine-year-olds to a doctor's oh my kid God. i was like i he's like it's <laughs> creepy <laughs> so, that is creepy yeah, yeah. so yeah no i know it's not all it's cracked up to be yeah i gotcha i'm sorry but he he had the omnipod you couldn't get the dexcom he became a, a real doctor and what happened well then he finally got the dexcom and then we were like shocked by what you know what happened mm -hmm. and i think he had a lot of like um, hypoglycemic episodes at night that we didn't know. And, you know, and I had had another baby, like, um, a month after diagnosis, I was pregnant with our second. And then, you know, so a lot of the times he was on nights and did all these different shifts and he slept alone in the room. And then I would sleep in a room with the baby because he didn't want to be yeah, you know, sure. woken up. And so I had some mornings I did feel like, Oh, let me go check on him. Oh my gosh. You know, he hasn't come out yet. So those were the only times when I kind of felt scared. But after we saw what was happening, it's a little terrifying. That's definitely how it went for us. Like we were, we got Dexcom back when the beginning of it wasn't as easy. You didn't just go, hey, I want this. And your insurance said yes, and you got it. It was the, uh, our doctor put her, put Arden on a blind sensor for a week. 
And we yeah. had, first we had to prove that she needed it. So they said, like, well, we'll take her readings for a week, and if, you know, there's danger going on, that'll, that'll help you get it through your insurance. And I was like, whatever. You know, I'm sure it's fine. Like, I'm like, I put her to bed at 190, and she wakes up at, like, 85, 90. It's perfect. Like, I'm really good at this. Don't worry. I, I don't know how. We're never going to get this, you know. But what it showed was that her blood sugar would fall and, like, yeah. sit at 50 for hours. And, yeah. then, and then probably her body, like her liver or whatever, something would kick in morning you know the morning the dawn phenomenon would happen or something right she'd bounce back up again so i had that feeling for a long time like this is fine you know don't this is so good like i put her about a little high and she wakes up and it's all good and and i see when i see people talk online about that like that always breaks my heart like i'm always like i want i want to say to them like you should probably test a couple times right to see what's really happening right you you can't spend your time you know i can't you can't you can't grab everybody who thinks that um, so hopefully people find it out safely. So he finds it out, gets a Dexcom. Did it change how he thinks about the diabetes, do you think? Yeah, I think it changed, you know, every aspect. And, you know, when you get the Dexcom, then it does take a lot more of your time because you know what's going on, and then you're treating lows and alarms are going off, and then you know how high you are constantly. So, mm-hmm. so it's like, you know, you, you just have to... He's pretty easy to manage, though. Like, he barely ever goes above 200 is he pretty and, active and does he eat well and things like that, like stuff that makes it easier? He keeps a really high basal going and then he knows like there's two points in the day when he crashes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he doesn't eat a lot because he's so busy and he works through lunch and everything. So he kind of knows when to eat a snack. And So he almost, he, he, he kind of cranks his basal up and then knows there's certain times of day he has to feed the insulin kind of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of a doctor is he, can you say? He's internal medicine. Okay. Okay. So, okay. So he's working in an office or in a hospital setting. How is he? He works in an office. He does primary care. Okay. Okay. Um, Well, that, yeah. So his day is pretty regimented then. And that that makes sense because when Arden's at school, I have a way easier time managing Arden's blood sugar when she's at school than when she's at home. Yeah. Because there's less factors and you can count on things happening at certain times and, and stuff like that. So, all right, so he's got diabetes for a few years. You're going along. It sounds like you're fairly removed from it. Like it's something he's taking care of on his own. Do you think that he didn't fully explain to you what was going on because he was trying to be private? Or do you think that you were just so busy with the baby? Like how, like, because it happens that most adults I talk to don't have a lot of interaction between yeah. the person with and without. I think he just, you know, like with his attitude of, this is fine. And I got, I've have this taken care of. And it was, you know, sometimes I would see him up at midnight and I'd be like, why are you up? And he said, well, because I, I ate and I need to wait a few hours to see what my blood sugar is doing before I go to sleep. So he was aware of it, right? you know, knowing that he didn't want to go to bed at a, you know, too low and everything, but he didn't, I don't know. I didn't even think of it. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't put enough of an explanation together where you could be like, Oh, there's more to this than just, right. I, I, he ate and he's got to wait. So, all right, so now it looks like, what, maybe like four years later, your your child's diagnosed from his diagnosis, or about a year That's ago? A, yeah, I think it was 2016. So at the end of 2015, so he was about three years into it, I started noticing, well, of course, I had you know been waking him up in the middle of the night for juice boxes and stuff like that now that I was hearing alarms. Mm-hmm. But I was pregnant with my third one at this point. And <laughs> And you're not, exhausted. You're not, you're, by the way, Christina, you're not doing much for that that Catholic <laughs> that Catholic myth about like w- like did you 
what do they call what do they call that Catholic twins, right? Is that what you had there? Is it <laughs> No, they're they're all like about three years apart. Oh, so that's it's not like bad. You're fine. 2010, then. <laughs> 2013, 2016, you know. Are you like do you dodge him now at this point? Like with three kids, you probably you have a stick on the side of the bed well, you just like you kill me for saying this, but like I demanded a vasectomy this year, so it happened. <laughs> Because I, you know, I actually wanted more because I'm crazy, but with diabetes and everything, and I know this is like a sensitive subject, but I don't think I would have had my son had I known. I didn't know that the risk was so high either. Like if the dad has it, the risk is even greater. Mm -hmm. I think it's 10%, I think is the, is the number. It it raises your, your possibility. I think 10% is it. But I, listen, I understand what you're saying. I've always been very open and said here that I think that my wife and I were always planning on having three children. And that, yeah. and that Arden's diagnosis slowed that down, you know. Yeah. Um, if not, if for no other reason, who would have time or energy to have sex? And <laughs> <laughs> but the rest of it too. I mean, you know, joking aside, it's it really is. I've heard people make the, you know, have the conversation on both sides, and it. it sounds completely reasonable both ways. Like I, I remember back to like Sam Fold as an example, and I was talking to him, and he said, "No, I." He's like, you know, it doesn't stop me from having kids. He's like, "Look, my life's fine." And I was like, oh, that's completely clear-headed and reasonable. Like, you know, and right. I've, I've had the feeling where, like, oh, gosh, like, I don't know if I can do it. You know, or you hear people who have two and three kids with type 1 diabetes, and you're like, oh, my gosh, look, their whole life is, like, feels like it's this. And I don't know. There's, you know, it's it's a personal preference for sure. So, okay. Right. So, so so now he's, you're giving him juice boxes because you can hear the Dexcom now. Now you know he's low while he's yeah. sleeping. But you're pregnant probably really thrilled to be being woken up at night and yeah. find well, I mean, you know, my two-year-old's still not sleeping through the night so you know it's it's fun yeah. yeah it sounds like a lot of fun i don't know why you wanted more kids by the way <laughs> you're not <laughs> describing a party christina <laughs> it gets worse okay well let's hear it so no. um, it gets so. worse by the way i've been married for 21 years i know it gets worse yeah <laughs> <laughs> but um but seriously so how old is it's your daughter who's diagnosed then yeah, so she had just turned five and in November, and then in you know around Thanksgiving and stuff, I start noticing that she's peeing a lot at night. She's drinking an obscene amount mm-hmm. of water all throughout the day and night, and I didn't really notice the weight loss. But now when I see pictures, I'm like, how could I not see it? Because she was very thin. That happened to us too. And you know, it's just all these things. And I would tell my husband, and he said, "Oh, she's just growing." And so he didn't want to face it either. And then Christmas came. And then after Christmas, I was like, this is just getting out of control, the amount of food she's eating. Then she started getting leg cramps, which is also what my husband was getting. Yeah. Did you tell him she's either got cancer or diabetes? We have to go yeah. So <laughs> I was like, you know, so on. it was like Martin Luther King Day and she was home from school. And I said, I had been begging her for a week to let me poke her finger. And she was melting down over it. So I was pushing it off. And I just said, I have to do this. So I I did it. And it said high, which means over 500 for her meter. Right. And then I called my husband at work. And I you know, told him. And then I called to get into her pediatrician. She happened to be you know, covering the clinic that day because they were off. So I have to drive her down to a clinic further away. And then the doctor is a personal friend of ours and they had her pee and she walked in the room and she looked at me and said, you know, so what brings you guys in today? And I just said, well, you know, so then she like, looked really horrible and sad and said, you know, you need to take her to the ER right away. Well, so that is, yeah, that's terrible. And I'm sorry. Um, yeah, 
but at the same at the same time, I'm interested to know um, what happened. Like, I, 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 it's interesting to hear what happened to you because I think so many people put off that thing. Like the people who have a, a husband or a wife or a, or another child with type one, they see it coming. And they kind of just don't want it to be, you know, so that you put, right. I think it's kind of comforting to hear that a physician and his wife were like, no, it's probably this. It's probably that it's probably, you know, the same thing everyone else does, you know, just yeah. th- that horrible feeling of like, I don't want to, I, I know what's on the other side of the door, but I don't want to open it and prove it, you, you know, so yeah. maybe, maybe we'll just stand in this room forever and it won't exist, you know, um, right. it, it's, it's, it's comforting, I think, yeah. to, hear, to hear that it happened to you too, you, you know, yeah. um, in some strange way. So she's how old when this is? She had just turned five. And so she was, you know, she was fine. She didn't have, I think she had like mild, maybe moderate ketones, but she was perfectly Mm -hmm. fine. She wasn't in DKA or anything. And, um, you know, we went to the ER and so they wanted to admit her, but I refused because, you know, I'm sitting there pregnant as can be my two year olds on me. My husband was never able to make it to the ER. He was, they wouldn't release him from work. And my mom was with me, thankfully, but, you know, so I said, you know, we can handle this. Can, is there a way to do it outpatient? So we have to drive like about 45 minutes to where they have pediatric endocrinology for us. And so we just did that four days in a row and met with them for about four hours a day. And it was overwhelming, you know, and I couldn't quit crying. I was sobbing hysterically and um, I was angry with my husband, which is another sensitive subject, you know, cause it's not like it's his fault. It's not like he has to be born with that, right? you know, or to have this happen to him. But I was angry because it was, you know, it felt like, like it came from him, right? Yes. Yeah. And had I known this, you know, when I married you or something, maybe we wouldn't have had kids or maybe, you know, like you just have, to, I don't know. You put you yourself to, in that position where you're rerunning all your decisions and Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it just opens this whole new can of worms and I have to work through all these feelings of anger and, you know, like, what am I doing now? What about my other kids now? And, you know, and it becomes this horribly overwhelming because when he was diagnosed, it was like, ah, you know, here, here you go. And then it was like, oh, here's a social worker. Here's a, you know, I don't know, like a child development specialist. Here's a nutritionist. Here's, you know, here's the doctor and here's the nurse. And, you know, you're holding her down. I, you know, I hear people say on your show, like how um, easy it is and how their kid handles their shots. Well, well, this was not the case for us. I mean, it was like, I mean, I remember sitting outside begging her, like, you have to take this. And I have to tell my five-year-old, you're either going to die or you're going to let mommy give you this injection because this is what's going to keep you alive now. And having to tell your daughter that, at the age of five, but it totally changed her after that. Then she kind of realized the, you know, the this seriousness of it. Yeah. This lady's not just trying to poke me cause she's bored. And yeah, yeah no, I, I hear you. I've, I, you know, I've said before, Arden was never really thrilled with shots. And there were times where I had to like sit on her to give her injections and things like that, you know, like actually hold her down to do it. Cause she would just run if you didn't. And, right. and you know, even to this day, at 13 when she's, she's pretty good with like changing sites and stuff like that, but you can still see she tenses up a little bit and it's still not, even though she's like, it doesn't at this point, she's like, it doesn't hurt, but I can't not tense up. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I, I understand. This is my gosh. At this point, what are we talking about here? This is 11 or more years later and it's still, you know, it's not just free and easy for her. So right. I get that. And how do you, 
how do you rationalize with a five-year-old? Like you made me think when you said, you know, you had to be like, look, you're going to die if we don't do this. It might sound really harsh to people, but I remember, yeah. I remember the first time my son made a, made an all-star baseball team. He was like, it was the summer he was six years old. And I remember dropping him off at the, at the first practice and kind of like leaving him alone and letting him be there. And at the end, he's scooping him up and we're walking over to the car. And I was like, you know, what did you think? How was it? He's like, he was real excited and he loved it. And he said, but the coach kept saying this thing. He goes, I didn't know what he was talking about. I was like, well, what? Maybe I could explain it to you. And he goes, he, he said that we should all be more aggressive. And I was like, yeah, yeah, so, you know, be more aggressive. He's like, well, what does aggressive mean? And I thought, oh, he's six. There's a word he's never heard before, right? He has no context. And, and he has no context for it. So I just spend time. Like, I forget how I ended up doing I think I ended up using, like, a tiger as an analogy. I was like, imagine if, you know there was a tiger and it attacks something. I'm like the act of it attacking that act is aggressive. That's aggressive. And then I broke it down into other ways and into sports metaphors. It took the entire ride home to explain a word to my six year old, yeah. you, you know? And like, so how do you, how do you take a five year old and say, Hey, look, there's this medicine. There's this thing inside of your body. It stopped working. It's just like, like there's, that's a lot of information for a five year old. And, and that's why it's such a weird spot because Arden was two when she was diagnosed. She didn't know. We just did it. Right. But at five, your kid's got context. She can talk. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, like she's she's going. Wow, this was not happening to me last week. You, you know, and yeah. this is not pleasant. It's a it's a very strange. And you're pregnant. How pregnant were you when she was diagnosed? Well, that was January, and I had him in May. So, so halfway. Was, yeah. So you were yeah. like second trimester. Yeah. Hormones happening, all that stuff. Husband's a doctor. Yeah, there's a lot going on. You're by yourself with those kids and the pregnancy and oh yes. my gosh. Well, and listen. then, you know, having to hold her down and it's just, it's just horrible to do. And so luckily, you know, because of him being a physician and stuff, they moved us along because they don't normally let people start pumps so quickly. But within a month we were on a pump. And does she like that better? Did she use the same pump that her dad's using or no? Well, we use the Animus. Mm-hmm. Well, she's on Omnipod now, but, okay. um, we did use the Animus. Our insurance actually doesn't cover Omnipod. And so we pay out of pocket for it. And um, so we went with the one first and we liked it. And I act, there's some things that I actually miss about it when I switch to Omnipod. Okay. But I definitely don't miss the technology because they were so behind. And that, but, and that and the Animus is the company that's going out, out of business. Yeah. Area, so. But the cannula, I think, is where we struggle the most because she used the needle infusion set before. And so I think we have more issues now with absorption and stuff like that that we didn't have with a needle set. But Do you just change more frequently? when you do? It must be hard because you're paying cash, but you must just change it more frequently if you have well, to. Well, we do if we have to, but, I mean, even just doing site changes is just it's horrible she, she for us. It. Yeah. No, I, I hear that. I, so yeah. she still has issues with it. Arden doesn't like... Um, so uh, Omnipod clicks before it goes in. Right. And so, uh, but the insertion doesn't always happen on the same click and Arden, yeah. Arden counts them. And she, she's like, one, two, three, four. And she'll get to five. And when five doesn't happen, you can see she's like, what the? And in that gap of time where, oh my God, it didn't happen. Then it happens. And yeah. I have to be perfectly honest. If it wasn't so, if it wasn't something she didn't like, I would have to laugh. I do laugh at her sometimes. Like yeah. when it happens, I'm like, this is hilarious. I was like, Arden, we've changed this pump every three days since you were four. Like she's had Omnipod since she's four. I'm like, so what are we talking about here? Like seven, eight years, right? Maybe more at this point. 
And I was like, are you really surprised by it? She goes, no. I was like, does it hurt? And she goes, no. And I'm like, well, what is all this about? She's like, I don't know. <laughs> so I think as your daughter gets older, I, I, I've said this to a couple of people, and you've probably heard me say it to them, but I'll say it to you because I think you maybe need to hear it. By the time Arden got done using shots, I had calculated that I probably stuck her in some way, shape, or form like over 10,000 times. Oh my gosh. And a couple of years like into Omnipod, we won to, she got sick one day and I thought I couldn't tell if the pod was not, you know, just needed to be changed or if she was resistant to insulin. So I thought, well, I'm going to inject some insulin. And I thought, well, because if her blood sugar moves real quickly, then I'll change her pump. And if it doesn't, then it's not the pump and she just needs more insulin. Excuse me. So I get out the syringes that we have that are kind of like backups, jammed way down in a drawer somewhere. I pull one out. I draw some up. I tell her, hey, I'm going to give you some insulin with this. And she just looks at it. Like she just, she'd never seen it before in her whole life. And she goes, what is that? And I said, it's a needle. I'm going to give you the insulin with it. And she's like, how? Like, just like, really? Like, what are you even talking about? Like, I get my insulin through that pump, you you know? Yeah. And and I explained it to her. She had literally no recollection of ever having a needle in her entire life. So maybe your daughter will, maybe a lot of it will go for her. Do you know what I mean? Like it it won't be as impactful on her as you're imagining it's probably more of, of the, the sadness on your side, but I, I have to tell you too, I don't, I don't remember that sadness anymore very much either. So there will be a day where this all doesn't exist for you. Get, you know what I mean? Good. Yes. Yeah. I think it is harder for the parent sometimes than it is for the kid, but it, it absolutely can be like there's, yeah. I've admitted here before I've never given myself a shot. I've never tested my blood sugar. I've never inserted a pod or a Dexcom or none of that because I always thought, if it hurt, then I'd know it hurt. Like, then I would know what it felt like. And then how would I do it? Do you know what I mean? Like, at least now I have this veil of ignorance and I know that everybody doesn't agree with me on this, but I have this veil of ignorance. I don't know what it feels like. And I am the one who's supposed to be doing this. Like I'm the doctor in this little situation in our life, right? Like I can't, I can't cut your leg open with a scalpel if I know what it feels like, maybe. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, so I just, I have to do this thing. I think it's better for me not to completely know what it feels like. And I'm sure some people agree and some people don't agree. That's how it always struck me. So, yeah. I, I definitely get how hard it, because it was very, it was hard for me too. Like, I would, you know, do something and then go cry and then, yeah. you know, come back and, and be like, everything's fine. Everything's great. I'm not crying. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I totally get it. Um, well, in your email, this is funny. People won't know how to, you won't know how to like make sense of this time. We're recording this in November of 2017. You and I started talking in June of 2017. This probably won't post until February or March of 2018. So it'll almost be 10 months since we actually spoke the first time. But in your initial email, you said that the podcast sometimes feels like therapy for you. And and I was wondering how so. Earlier in the show, I told you a little bit about the Omnipod insulin pump, and now I'm going to tell you a little more. Today, I want to focus on the ease of use for the Omnipod. So not only is it tubeless and wireless, so the personal diabetes manager doesn't actually in any way connect to the pump itself, it's wireless, and the pump itself doesn't have any tubing. So, you know, how does it do that? You might be wondering. It's pretty simple. The Omnipod is just this tiny little device that you fill with insulin, apply to your skin, and then press start on your personal diabetes manager. 
it inserts the cannula automatically and begins delivering your insulin, all with a touch of a button. It is actually as simple as I just made it sound. Arden's been using it since she was four years old, and next month she will be 14 years old. 10 years we've been using the Omnipod. It is spectacular. Please go to juiceboxpodcast.com and click on the links, or there are links in the show notes to your podcast app. But in the end, you need to go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. And there, Omnipod will set you up with a free, no obligation demo pod, where you can actually apply a pod to yourself and wear it and see what you think. There's no risk. It doesn't cost you anything. And I'm telling you, after 10 years, you couldn't make a better decision. Myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox with the links in your show notes or at juiceboxpodcast.com. Also, if you'd like to see the new personal diabetes manager from Omnipod, the new Dash PDM, I'll put a link in the show notes for that too. I have some pictures back on my blog. You said that the podcast sometimes feels like therapy for you, and I was wondering how so. Well, I think it's just because you you know you live in your little bubble, and it for me, like we've tried to make other friends with type one or other families, so you have some type of somebody that understands because people, no matter how much they want to, they don't understand what your life is like or what you go through. You know, and you hear people whining that, oh, their kid was sick, so they had to stay up with them last night. And you're like, well, that's my life every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's hard to find compassion for them in that situation. Yeah. Oh, did that and happen it, to you once this year? <laughs> <laughs> you poor thing. Yeah, yeah. So to hear other people and just even like you said, just hearing other people's stories of diagnosis or how it, you know, unfolded for their family or how they're dealing with it or anything, it gives you that, you know, kind of sense that there's other people out there doing, you know, struggling with the same things and that we're all, you know, we're spread out across the country and across the world, but we're all in it together still. And just to hear that just gives you like, I don't know, kind of a sense of relief or to hear other people say they're struggling with something that you're struggling with or, you know, it makes you feel like you're not doing it wrong. Right. So like you, you, you can have that feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm struggling. I must not understand something about this. But when you find out that that's something that happens to everybody, maybe it's part of a growing process or a learning process. It takes a, right. lot, of, it takes a lot of the guilt away. And then, you know, you help all the time. Like you say, how oh, it doesn't get easier. You just get insanely better at dealing with it. Or, you know, you say, you know, don't beat yourself up. And, you, you know, you're constantly giving kind of things out there that I think people need to hear. And if you're listening to it after you've had a particularly rough night or day, it's just, you know, it's therapeutic to hear that, you know, everything's going to be fine and it's, you'll get this and, you know, start over. You always say, start over. That's in the past. It's done. I think you should do like, uh, like a Scott's best advice episode. But then we'd have to say it's not advice at the same time. We call it, uh, which you should plug in best advice, not really advice episode. <laughs> I have considered just putting one together. It's like, these are the episodes that people find the most valuable. I actually, I actually might put a call out to people and have them tell me what their five favorite episodes are. So we can sort of, because, you know, because the other thing is too, is like, I'm the one making the podcast. Sometimes after I go back and I edit it and I have a chance to listen to it again, it's been months since I've recorded it when that happens. 
And I'll listen and I'll be like, this person was great, which is why you'll hear me on like the beginning of a lot of the episodes go, this is like the best episode because it's <laughs> not that I have like, you know, a memory problem and that I didn't just say that two weeks ago. But for me, like I hear it again. I'm like, oh, this was great. Like I, I, did, I forgot how great this was. Or even in the midst of saying it, like having the conversation, it didn't strike me right away that, that yeah. something someone said was so impactful or at times, you know, humbly, like I'll say something that later I'll hear it and I'll go, wow, that was really smart. Like, I didn't know that when I was saying it. I, I actually write things down that you say and I keep them to go back and read them sometimes. Oh, I, I, <laughs> I, I'm embarrassed and touched. Thank you very much. <laughs> I really like that. Um, I always tell people, I was like, can we just get my wife on here real quick so she can? <laughs> <laughs> I had a, a private phone call with somebody last week. And she was going on and on about what the podcast meant to her. And I think there was part of me, like this little just childish part of me that like I wanted to put it on speakerphone and be like, listen to other people, how they think about me. (laughs) (laughs) But it's also very, you also don't have to live with me, Christina. You you very much might not like me either if you had to spend a whole week in this. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I think my wife likes me. I can't. It's hard to tell. And so, um, well, let me, let me, so that's really, uh, first of all, I'm really great to, to hear that the podcast does that for you. So it makes me feel like it must do it for other people too, which I find really like it's heartwarming. Um, but you said something that, that I just found really super interesting. Like you, you tried to make type one friends. So imagine that like when you go out to make friends, first of all, making friends as an adult is not that simple. Right. And, and then, then when you put parameters on it, like, well, these people have to be probably near my age, have kids near my age, have similar interests as us. They got to be as excited to go see Thor this weekend as I am, you, you know, or, or, or an art house movie, not Thor, like whatever it ends up being. I want I like this kind of food. And then on top of that, you narrow your field down by, plus I need you to have type one diabetes. I, that's like Craigslist kind of stuff. Like, how are you ever going to find anybody that can you, I, I picture you at a dinner party going to your husband. I really like these people. Find out if they have diabetes. <laughs> you're making me sound crazy. No. no. Christina, uh-huh. listen, I'm going to tell you what I tell my wife. You're doing that yourself. Not, but, <laughs> I'm just kidding. She's not crazy. You're not crazy. It was just a cheap joke. But, uh-huh. uh, but, but, but you're not. But uh, it, you're, I understand what you're saying. Like You're looking for this person who can not More, just be a friend, yeah. but, but, but understand what's happening. You know? More so for my daughter because she asked. You know, so... We did meet a, a boy that's nine that has type one and that was the first type one she had met and she just thinks it's the most amazing thing ever that there's someone like her. Like she can't even grasp, you know, that there's people out there like her. And we haven't taken her to camp because it's it's hours away and it's kind of inconvenient to get that week off and then to do that with all the kids, you know, the family camp. Yeah. Where are you at in the country? We're in California, in Northern California. So... They do have a camp, but it's like in the central California, it's a three, four hour drive, which is not fun with little kids. And, yeah. you know, it's just not something high on our list right now. Plus you but drop her is. and you have to drive four hours home and you're four hours away then yeah. when she's at the camp. And if you have an issue, that's how far she, you know, it's funny. Yeah. I, my daughter's never been to diabetes camp and yet I've had people on here who talk about it, directors from camps, people who have gone, they all find it to be the most amazing thing. And when I talk to Arden about it, she doesn't seem to be in any way interested in it. (laughs) And so I'm like, all right, well, I think my kid's just not a camp person. Like, like take the diabetes out of it. Right. Like like, when you're like, hey, so we'll take you to this place for a week in a cabin. And you can already see she's just like, whoa, wait, have I done something wrong? You know, like, like, am I being, you know, is this a punishment? I don't need to leave the house. (laughs) 
I got Netflix here. I don't understand what you're saying. Why do I have to go? Um, I'm with Arden. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think she's a camper at heart. Yeah. The last vacation we took that was just in Vermont, we rented a house for a few days. And the yeah. house was wonderful. And they were still like way too much nature. And I was like, yeah. okay. All right. So I think my kids are more of a... I think they're more of beach. They're more beach people, to be perfectly yeah. honest. So, um, and that even has been our our family getaway for years. You know, we don't go every year. It's it's way too expensive to do that. But we've been a handful of times to St. John in the Virgin Islands, and now it's been hit so hard by the hurricanes that I don't even genuinely know if it's there to visit or not. You, you know, yeah. so um, okay. Let's not. So let's. Let's kind of like regroup for a second. We've well, let me tell you left. what I have done so you don't think I'm so crazy. No, no, no. First of all, no one thought you were crazy. Again, <laughs> just a cheap joke. This is a really great episode. You are being really honest. I don't think you're crazy at all. But tell me more and then I'll, I'll follow up. Well, I, so we, I reached out to the school nurses, right? And we have a lot of schools in our city. And um, ironically, my daughter goes to a private school and 30 minutes away in another town which has its own set of issues with diabetes and that they don't have a school nurse. And, you know, that's a whole nother can of worms, but um, trying to manage it from far away. But I reached out to the school nurses and I, you know, I said, I'm trying to start this group, uh, you know, for our county and, you know, just with parents so we can get together, we can get our kids together. Maybe we can have some education or something. You know, I'm, so I have my master's in public health and I did health promotion, health education. So I was kind of routing it that way. But nobody responds, and parents just aren't kind of interested. So I think everyone's so busy with their own life that it's hard enough just to deal with, you know, everything they have going in their family, that that's how the world's going, that it's hard to get people I agree. together often. I agree. I I am a stay-at-home dad of two kids. One of them has diabetes. I do this podcast, and other than that, I pretty much vacuum and grocery shop and do things like that. And I've been trying to get together with a friend of mine for lunch for like six months, and I, I, can't, right. I can't seem to make it happen. Um, and, and so I get that. And I also get the, the, how much all those people would love it if you guys did get together once in a while. And, um, I, you know, I'll have to think about how to, I, I, it's, it's going a little slower than I hope, but we're really thinking of like taking the podcast out into the world and doing it in front of like a group. And yeah. so I'll be doing it in March, I think in New Jersey at a, um, at a JDRF conference and I have a phone call tomorrow about one in January in Arizona, which by the time people hear this will have happened a long time ago. But yeah. but I just think I think that the conversation you and I are having, but with a bunch of people who could all, you know, have like like maybe little micro conversations with me back and forth and like we're doing now and then move on to something else. By the time everybody got through their question, my imagination says that all everyone's question would pretty much encompass what everybody's thinking you know yeah and i think that would be really cool i don't know if you heard the last episode number 168 but it was an interview and a review of the dexcom g6 here's how it was an interview review an interview if you will i had jake leach on he's a senior vice president of research and development for dexcom and i basically gave jake my feelings about having used the g6 now for the past four or five weeks and then Jake was there to give us a deep dive into how some of the things that I asked about work. I thought it was interesting. I hope you heard it. And if you didn't, you should go check it out. But I bring it up because it's going to give you a lot of information about the new Dexcom G6. And that's what this ad is about. If you go in the link in your show notes or at juiceboxpodcast.com or just go to 
dexcom.com forward slash juice box. There you'll be able to get all the information you need in the world about the glucose monitor that is the center of everything you hear about here on the podcast. You know, it's easy to say, yeah, I want to be able to see my kid's blood sugar while they're at school or my mother's blood sugar while she's in Florida. I don't know where people go or why they do things, but it is nice to be able to see their blood sugar when they're not with you. That is good. I love that. I think it's great to know what direction your blood sugar is moving in and how fast it's going. It can be a real safety feature as well while I'm sleeping. But in the end, to me, the real focus of what the Dexcom G6 is, is this. You need to understand where your blood sugar is, where it's going, and how fast it's going to get there to make good decisions about your health. The Dexcom opens up a world of information that allows you to make those decisions simply, easily, and effectively. You should definitely go to Dexcom.com forward slash juice box or click on the links in your show notes to find out more. So you really talked about in, in your email, like burnout, you said there was one specific episode. Was it super Stephanie? Was that the one? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you said that it just really helped you. Um, where were you at that point before you heard it, before you heard that episode? Um, you know, I, I think that I'm just kind of really, I still feel burned out to be honest, but I just kind of keep it in because people in my family do not like to hear that. You know, it's like, you're not allowed to feel this. This is just go on with the day and that's it. So it's, it's, um, I just feel overwhelmed with alarms constantly going off. My husband sleeps through his, he sleeps through my daughter's and then, you know, the baby being born and then having, you know, breastfeeding a baby, you're up all night anyways, breastfeeding, it requires more and, you know, just everything going on. And, um, my daughter also has a hole in her heart, so she needs, she's going to need surgery to fix that at some point. So we've gone through that her whole life. Holy and then crap, my Christina, which yeah. hold on a second, which you were just like, Oh, not only that, which child is the child with diabetes or a different. Yeah. Oh, she's yeah. losing the luck lottery. Um, yeah. so, so is that something that we're not worried about in the moment? It's just, it has to get to a certain growth spot before it can get fixed. Yeah, so she when we she was born, she was born in New York City. We were there for three years, and then we moved on to Connecticut for three years, and he worked in Massachusetts, but we lived in Connecticut. And, you know, we were seeing, they found it when she was six months. She had a murmur. They sent us to a specialist. They were pushing us for open-heart surgery. This needs to be done now, now, now. I met with someone at NYU. I couldn't stand the surgeon. He was so arrogant. I told, there's no way he's touching my daughter. And the idea of them stopping your child's heart and cutting in and then putting her on bypass and circulating the blood, you know, this is not high on my list of things to do right away <laughs> with somebody with right. my firstborn who I'm super protective of. Right. And you know, somebody that just rubbed me really the wrong way. And so one of the other options was to wait a little longer. Well, so we were, he was ending his, uh, he was graduating and starting residency. So I said, let's wait and we'll, we'll find a new doctor in Massachusetts. You know, Boston children's is there. It's the best. So, we found another doctor and they came up with completely different numbers and said, it's not as big as they were saying. I don't know why they were saying this. And so I was like, you're crazy. So we go to another doctor and they said, it's not that big. So then we went to Boston children's and, you know, um, they were like, Oh, she's totally a candidate to do a cath lab procedure instead of open heart surgery. And she can wait until school age. Oh, that's great. So now we just had follow up and they said she might even be able to wait till she's in her twenties to close this. So. Oh, no kidding. Oh, that's really something. And, that, we'll and, and the first guy was just like, 
just I'll just cut her chest open and it'll all be fine. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Well, you did the you you sniffed him out. You did the right thing. Do, does that help you with the diabetes too? Like, how often are you with an endocrinologist who says something that you're like, I don't think that's right? Um, the endocrinologists don't bother me. The dietitians kind of drive me crazy. What do they uh, want from you? Well, I just think that they're not realistic in life. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they really annoy me, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> it's like at the last meeting, um, I find so we had this nurse that we really loved, and she moved to a different site. And so then they started seeing patients here one day a week in our town, and I just didn't. I think your relationship with the nurse is more important with the doctor. The doctor comes in for a few minutes and, you know, says, all right, maybe we can make this change or looks, everything's great. Right. So the nurse is more important with this nurse here. I just wasn't feeling it. And then the dietitian last time, it's just like gasp. I'm feeding her, you know, um, yogurt in the morning or cereal. And that is just so sugar laden. And I wouldn't feed that to my daughter. And, you know, it's just like they always come in and for some reason they're like these anorexic, older, skinny women that look like they barely ever eat. All you have to do is eat this kelp. It's great. You'll learn to love it. So, you know, yeah. what it makes me think of what you're saying makes me think of. I love it when somebody's standing in front of me in like this pers- perfect physical condition and they're like, you could do this too. What you just need to do is you have to quit your job and you work out about 19 hours a day and you just run and you, you eat this and you drink this protein. And I'm like, wait, is that what you do to be like that? I'm like, I would like to be more in shape, but I can't, I can't do that. Like, I think some people are lucky enough in either their constitution or their, or their situation where they can put themselves in almost a perfect situation to accomplish this thing, right. which is great. But if we all were Instagram um, workout models, then none of the other things in the country would get done. And so like, we <laughs> yeah. all can't do that. Um, and, and I think sometimes it's almost like, do you ever get, do you ever be pulled over by a police officer who gives you the letter of the law and you're like, I do agree with you in con, you know, in theory, <laughs> but here are these other things you're not considering, but they always have the law on their side. They're always able to go, no, no, this is how it goes because this is what the law says. I think that the dietitians do the same thing. They go, look, in this perfect situation, if you exactly did this, then everything would be great. And right. you're like, yeah, but this isn't the real world. The real world is I have three kids and they're all hungry and I, you know, I, ah, like how am I going to do all that? You know, right. so so once in a while my kid's going to get a bowl of cereal and then I got to, and then, not that I feel great about the cereal to begin with. And then I have to sit down and listen to you tell me that it's bad. I already knew it was bad. Yeah. A lot well, of fun. I, Why I do you not just the, don't go to those? <laughs> I yeah. <don't. laughs> so I called the nurse that, I, that, you know, that I'm like, and I said, look, I'm going to drive all the way over there to see you at this new site because I can't handle this stuff anymore because we had had it before to where we would see the doctor and then they would say, you have any more questions? We'd say, no, we'd leave. So the four hour appointments went down to like 45 minutes. Yeah. And now that this new site, they like they don't oh, and they don't know what Omnipod is. They don't know how it works. They're overwhelmed. Where's her data? And I'm having to give it to them. And you know, it's just like overwhelming for them. Well, we wouldn't and, want them to be taxed. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like so. She agreed to let us go every six months now because I, this is ridiculous to go every three months. If her A1C is fine, I mean, I you know, and it's it's seven point one. I'd like it to be better. I'm working towards it being better, but. You know, like the doctor told me last time, you know, you need to relax. He said, I think what you're looking for is an A plus and you have an A. So just, you know, calm down. If you can keep the variability out, 
I don't, I can't disagree with that. Like as long as, as long as her blood sugar is not like 300 for a few hours and then 70 for a few hours, and that's how you're getting your, your middle ground number. I think right. that, I think if you can keep the variability, the up and down out of the blood sugar, a seven one's amazing. Like, do you yeah, know what I mean? They're very, um, they're very against lows, you know, and I, I told him the last visit, I said, you know, show me the evidence that, you know, having lows every now and, you know, every now and then, but unfortunately it's a little more than every now and then, but. But how low are we talking about? In the 650s, 60s, most of the time in the 60s. Oh, um, so I would tell you that I don't like Arden's blood sugar to get under 70, but when it's 65, I don't think it's low. I just get it back up again. Right. Um, when she's in, if, if she hits a 50 and I can bounce it right back again, I don't think twice about that. If she yeah. hits 50 and sits there, I'm, I, I work very hard to get out, to get right. out of it quickly. You know, I do things now, like I set it at, um, the alert sometimes at night, I'll set it to go off at a hundred. Mm-hmm. So, so that way it, a little quicker. Yeah. Because I'd rather be able to stop her basil and instead of having to wake her up and give her juice, because yeah. inevitably it's like this. With her, she's very sensitive. So you stop her pump, and she usually reacts very quickly. Pumps up pretty quick still. Yeah, but, you know, otherwise you give juice, and then it's this ping pong, and it's like, should I give insulin? Should I not give insulin? Sometimes I do, and then it backfires on me, and then, you know, you're needing more juice. And so... Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, actually, if you give me a second, I'm going to tell Arden to bowl here for a second. No problem. So... Um, I, I know exactly exactly what you're talking about, and we go through the exact same things here. I think giving yourself the the warning, giving yourself time to do something with the basal rate is is such a is such a great way to handle it. Because also, nobody wants to be drinking juice in their sleep, and it's, yeah, it sucks. You know, like it all really does. And so, yeah, um, I definitely try to do as much as I can with with manipulating through the basal. This morning, Arden got up this morning. She was upstairs. I was downstairs packing her lunch, and she was upstairs, and I saw her blood sugar at 95. And now she had been going up in the mornings, so I watched. And the arrow never changed. So the arrow was still always straight across. It wasn't diagonal up or up or anything. Let me get a drink. And um, But then the next time it refreshed, she was like 98, and she was 103. And then I said, ooh, it's happening. Like, she's yeah. going to go up here. So I said to her when she came upstairs, I said, real quick, before you stuff everything in your backpack, I think I had her bowl as like 0.8 or something like that. And she's like, my blood sugar is like 100. I'm like, it doesn't matter. It's going to go up. So bowl is the 0.8 and it worked. And she was just like 110 like all morning. And she started to drift up again right before lunch. And I actually didn't do anything about it. I let her drift up to like 140. And then we just gave her this this great bolus, um, her, this pre-bolus. Now she needs like, now it's been, let's see, 20, it's been like two hours and 40 minutes later and she needs another half a unit because she just as you and i are talking i saw her drift up to 160 um yeah and so we just bolused again and my goal is she'll be home in about an hour and uh i'd like her to be back down around 90 because she's going to come in the house hungry and want a snack and all that other stuff so um i yeah I, i love the idea of manipulating the basil i think it's one of the absolutely most undervalued tools in a if you have a, a, an insulin pump you know you, right. you just definitely can make so many great adjustments with the basal insulin so good for you so you're doing well like you're you're i mean seven one you've got it figured out you got 33 kids that's a problem but <laughs> but, but i mean and the husband is seems a little focused on being a doctor which i imagine is what being a doctor is um yeah. and and that sucks do you feel 
because you started to talk earlier and I, I, I wanted to get into it. And at the same time, I was like, I don't want to like ruin this person's life. But at the same time, like you feel, I know how you feel right now. Like you feel alone, right? Like everyone's looking to you for something, not just the medical stuff, but the medical stuff seems bigger. It feels bigger. It feels like you're sort of in charge of the, of people's life and death decisions and, and their long-term health. And it's a lot of pressure. Um, and then okay. your husband's got his diabetes on his own. So he probably feels like he's already doing this. Like, do you, do you know what I mean? Like, so you're yeah. doing it for your daughter, but you're also worried about him. You've got these other two kids hole in the heart. Mom's somewhere. You got a lot going on. Um, Fatal nut allergies. Do you really? What is that? Say, say that again? My, my middle child is allergic to nuts, you know, so I, I say it. That kid's I'm going up for adoption. That's enough of like, that. Yeah. Every <laughs> playground, you know, right. glucagon, got it. EpiPens, got it. Oh my you gosh. know, like, come to me if something's wrong. <laughs> I can save like 15 different people's lives. If you guys need anything, <laughs> I have a bag full of stuff over here. But, but is that about right? Does it just feel like it all kind of falls to you, right? Yeah, it does. And then, you know, like I have, um, I mean, not to get too much into it, but it's like, you know, I gave up working when I was and gave up nursing school when I found out I was pregnant with my first one. And then it wasn't planned. So it was kind of a surprise. And that kind of, you know, my life's been on hold for eight years. And now I'm ready to kind of do something more than be, you know, listen to everyone and do, you know, meet everyone's needs. So I'm kind of starting to feel like, you know, like, what about me? Yeah. You know, it's a common, I, listen, if it makes you feel any better, it's not gender related either. I have the same exact, I, I didn't think that I would be a stay at home parent still when my, when my last child was 13, Yeah, you, you know, but you look at our day and how things go and what my wife's job um, requires of her. And it's just, we both couldn't get up and leave in the morning. It just wouldn't work. Right. And so here I am. I'm going to be a stay-at-home dad until I'm 50. And then I'm sure the working world will open its arms right back up to me <laughs> where I can become a uh, cashier. It's not, you know, like, I mean, I'm assuming, right? Like that'll be like pretty much what I can shoot for. Um, and it's just, it's just one of those things like it, it is hard not to feel like your life is passing you by, you, you know, while you're taking right. care of other people, which, and why I've talked before about, having to find like some really deep meaning in taking care of your family so that yeah. it, so that it doesn't feel like you're just performing tasks that, right. that, that there's a bigger, a bigger thing for you. Like, I mean, I, I hope you could find that or maybe you have, but um, I think that's yeah, we, the only way out of it, to be honest. We had some people over for dinner. They were all doctors and Hector's friends. And one of them was talking to me, kind of just mentioning kind of saying that he kind of understands what I go through. And then he looked at me and he said, what an honor to be able to take care of your family. And it made me feel so horrible because I'm like, that should be how I'm looking at it. But that's not how I feel most days. He was like, what an honor. And you're like, actually, I was thinking of putting all these people in a sack and throwing them in the river. <laughs> um, so is that okay? Um, we, can we all go out to the garage for a second, sit in the car and listen to some music? Uh, let's start the car to stay warm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Everybody look over the bridge. Oh, <laughs> a little farther, a little farther. <laughs> No, I, I I hear what you're saying, and, and again, that's um, that's that's just like the nutritionist, really. That that that's advice from a from a, a an academic place. Isn't right. it an honor to take care of your family like this? Well, yeah, sure it is. Except that doesn't take into account any of the real world things that are happening to me right, right. now. Um, and you know, 
Wouldn't it be if your kid just ate this celery for lunch, her blood sugar would never move? Well, yeah, yeah that's great. You talk my five-year-old into eating a salad every day. Um, you, you know, like that kind of an idea. And, and yet you get the intent of what the person said to you because, again, academically, I do feel like that. Right. Like it is really great. But there are definitely days where you're just like, no one listens to me. I'm like invisible here. Yeah. I'm just the person who makes things happen. Right. You're just the, you're just the, you're the switcher that makes the train run on time. Nobody nobody ever gets on the train and thinks, I really should find the guy that made sure this train was on time and thank him. Like right, right. It, it never works that way. Uh, you know, you thank the the you know you thank the guy running the train because it seems like he's doing it, but it turns out he's not. There's somebody behind the scenes doing it, and that's you. It's me. It's everybody who's in our position. And I do think that it is largely a thankless job that you have to find your own thanks in because it, it, to think that you're, that my 13 year old's going to stop and be like, Hey dad, right on good job with this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like she's just like trying to get to the next thing, do her homework, brush her teeth, go to bed. She's got her own stuff. She's trying to remember, you know, it, yeah. it's, it, it's as fulfilling as it is crappy kind of like, you know, I think also, you know, that's where, the show helps me too, because it's like, there was a, a diabetes educator on not too long ago. And, you know, she was talking about how their brains aren't developed till they're 25 and they need their parents help. And of course I know this, I've taken these classes and I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, like, and then I hear you say how you're in the background helping art and you guys were at a birthday party or something. And she, you saw her look on her, the look on her face and you were just like, I got this, you know, eat what you want or do what you, you know, I'll be back here. And, they do need us and it's an extreme, it's a huge burden that they're going to live with for the rest of their life. So if we could, you know, take some of it off of them for now, why they are, you know, just being a child, you know, that's, it seems very important important to do. Yeah. Right. It seems very important to do. I think you're right. I feel that way. Um, I do think there's stuff to learn trial by fire stuff, but it doesn't have to be every day, all day long. It doesn't have to be at the, expense of their a1c too which is right which is when you hear other people talk about like hey my son's he's 15 he's doing this by himself he's doing great his his a1c is like eight and i'm like well you know what? That's amazing a 15 year old maintaining an eight a1c is crazy good um but what if you you know what if you were in the mix a little bit like would it be a seven and could he still be learning you you know what i mean like and so that's more how i think about it and then i probably trend a little bit to the other side where where I take a little more on. Like there's, you know, last night, Arden's blood sugar last night uh, was like 135 and it got real sticky like overnight at 135, about four in the morning. Like it went up, I bolused, it didn't come back down, it needed more basil. And I stayed up for about 45 minutes or an hour to make sure I got it back to where I wanted it to be. And a lot of people might hear that and go, look, if my kid's blood sugar was 145 and steady overnight, I'd be sleeping. And I get that. And there are nights, by the way, that I'm so exhausted, I don't do it. But if I can, I will. Do you know what right. I mean? Just try to steal, right. steal some A1C points where you can. Is kind of yeah. how I feel about it. So I think you're doing great. I mean, listen, you have a lot going on. Like, you genuinely yeah. you genuinely do. And And for how much you have going on, the one thing you're not giving yourself credit for is you're aware of it. Like, you're aware of how you feel and you're aware of what, how you want to feel and you're aware of what your goals are. That's probably most of the battle. You'd be surprised at how many people are in your situation who just think everything's going great. They just ignore stuff and think nothing of it. Like you're aware of it. And I think that's most of it. I think you'll find your way through the rest of it. 
but yeah. because you're aware of what your of what your goal is. I don't know if you feel that way or not, but I think you should. Yeah. Well, thank you. You're welcome. I'm, I, I'm literally nobody, and I shouldn't be even saying that to you. But it seems to me like you – it's just a big difference. Like, you know, there's a difference between being overwhelmed and being crazy, right? Crazy people don't right. know they're crazy. They're just like, I'm fine. Everybody else is wrong. Um, yeah. You know, but if you're just a little overwhelmed, you go, look, I understand that how I feel right now is not – it's not. It's not my goal. Like I do want to feel honored to take care of my family. You know what yeah. I mean. Like, it, it, but at the moment I don't. But at least it's visible. You can get to it. Yeah. It seems to me. Oh, what's going on here? Some alarms on my phone going off that I genuinely don't know what they're for. But we've been talking for fifty nine minutes, so maybe we'll just call it the end of the podcast alarm, <laughs> and that'll be that'll be the end of it. Did we not cover anything that you were hoping to talk about? No, no, you know, I didn't really come into it with any, like, map or anything like that. I was more concerned about what I was going to be able to say. Well, that's excellent, because I think that they go much better when nobody pre-plans. So, uh, I thought this was great, and thank you very much. I really appreciate you coming on. If you would give me a second to stop the recording, I'd love to say thank you in person. Wow. Thank you so much, Christina, for being so incredibly open and honest. This was a real gift for people who get to listen. Thank you also to Dexcom and to Omnipod for sponsoring the show. It goes without saying, but without the ads, I can't bring you the show without the show. You don't hear Christina, etc., etc. circle of life kind of stuff. Thank you very much for your support. You can go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box or Dexcom.com forward slash juice box to find out more. Oh, one last thing. I really appreciate you listening and I'll see you next week.